You're listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To learn more about the Collective Church in Portland, Oregon, and Vancouver, Washington, visit us online at thecollectivechurch.com. If you are someone who comes to like this time of the year and you don't actually like holidays because there's been a lot of trauma in your life, maybe holidays is a time when you find yourself and you get some like seasonal depression, you feel try to try to creep up. Um, I just I felt like we were supposed to pray for that this morning. Just just like this, like here we go, this same same lap around the mountain, self-sabotage. Um, it's holidays can be a major, major trigger because of life events. And, and because life events look different than maybe they did last year or two years ago or three years ago. And so um, this is a time of refreshing and a time of, of joy. This is a time of family. This is a time, I believe, of like uh, Tiffany was talking in the back before worship this morning. And, and um, when you went into that Christmas song, I, I agree, I almost fell out into the curtain. I in the slain in the spirit. That was so powerful. Um, I just wanted to play an early 90s solo for about 16 measures, because that's what I do. Um, yeah. I'm from the age, I'm like, can we, not have, can we have more guitar solos? Drum solos. Like, just the, just the voices. Like, that's my favorite. I'm so dated, though, but whatever. It's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is, the, Tiffany was talking about gratitude and thankfulness and how, how it cannot coexist with, with um, a, a, just the spirit of, of depression, right? Like that's why the Bible says that we enter his gates with thanksgiving and we, we come into his courts with praise. And so if that's you this morning and you just be really, really bold, would you just stand up and say, I, I don't actually historically enjoy the holidays. We're not judging. In fact, there's, there, I had to look and see patterns in my own life around the holidays that were, that were very triggering for me. So if that's you, would you be super bold? Would you stand up? Would you stand up if you just, yeah, there it is. Yeah. This isn't, no one thinks you're the Grinch. In fact, in fact, the enemy has tried to steal from you. Would you just stretch out your hands to, to, these, uh, to our family? Lord, I just thank you right now. We take authority over every dark cloud that would try to come and, and rest over these individuals and their families right now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that this year we'd actually... Um, would redeem memories in Jesus' name, would redeem holidays in Jesus' name, that we would experience the life and the love, God, in the celebration that you have fashioned for this season. And God, I just pray right now, joy unspeakable and full of glory, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. All spirit of depression, you have to go. Every, every lap around the mountain, we say stops in Jesus' name. Father, it's time to cross over into the promised land and we love you, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Here's, what you, here's what we do. We, we, you start calling that thing out. The, the second that it gets close, call it out. Call it out. In Jesus' name, call it out. <clears throat> Jesus' name. Amen? I'm going to spit my gum out, but I don't want to. I'm not going to swallow it. I know, what's, I know what happens in seven years. <laughs> oh, stop. I'm not going to give you... I 
Put it in the poinsettia. So, if you know my mom, this story will make sense. Every year, we would put poinsettias out at the church. And my mom would always have to make like an announcement and like, get, like tell everybody. She said, we can't eat. No, if you eat them, they're poisonous. <laughs> would always warn us like as kids not to eat the poinsettias. <laughs> like there was any desire whatsoever to like, say, man, we've been at church all day long. <laughs> mom didn't give us breakfast. <laughs> uh, it looks like vanilla bean leaves. Mm. <laughs> Just break that spirit of fear off my mother in Jesus' name. <laughs> Every year, don't eat the poinsettias. Oh, man. Cal. You know, I was thinking about, <laughs> speaking of my mom, um, we, we never, ever lacked, we lacked, I, I, I take that back, when, when, before I can remember, um, my parents took over a church um, in Lisbon, North Dakota, and um, was born in Ellendale, North Dakota. My dad was at Bible college, and he took a church that was... <sighs> I think it was what we'd call like a revitalization now in the in a denomination, and uh, he came in into this church, and um, I th they think they were actually had to meet in a different church for a while because the building was in bad shape. Anyways, it ended up going under a remodel, and just tons of life came back to that church, like it was the place to be. People were driving from from you know far away to come to church in fact my dad planted a church and didn't even we didn't even call it church planting back there it was like okay there's a need for another church in this town because they're all driving so far so let's drive over here at night to a fire hall and let's meet here it was like we didn't even know it was church planting it was just like these people need a church over here so we just go over there and we do it you know so um but when when they first started they were making uh, 40 dollars a week and um, which is not a lot of, of money and um, my dad was not on preachers and sneakers Instagram at that point <clears throat> at all ever and um, and they, they tell they tell stories of groceries showing up on their front door of leaving their house in the middle of winter gas station being closed North Dakota is colder than Alaska friends like where we lived in Alaska like my parents were like ah oh, it's warmer here thank God it's cold in the winter like you can if you're stuck in your car you can die kind of cold and so they told tell stories of laying hands on their car and gas station being closed and making it way further than they should have made it so just miracle after miracle of God's provision um, but I don't remember that time. I remember abundance, and I think maybe because of that, my mom went the opposite way, and we always had an abundance of food. If you've been to my house when my mom is here, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's actually, it's crazy. Like, the neighbor, we could just invite all the neighbors over and we'd all be fine. And so I didn't grow up with a sense of lack of food, per se, but there was definitely, I knew that we didn't have a lot of money when I was younger. And, um, but God provided and God, God blessed. And it was, it was, we were, we, my brother and I got to see miracles of provision. Like we got to see God move. 
um, in mighty ways. And I've told the story before of my dad giving our only car away because the Lord told him to, getting on a Greyhound bus to head back to Idaho to face his father-in-law who thought, already thought he was a fool and would now think he was, had lost his mind completely. And, and while my dad was in Boise, Idaho, um, at church, someone laid it on their heart to, to buy my parents a brand new 1984 Plymouth, Plymouth Voyager luxury friends. It had the, uh, the faux wood panel down the side. It was, it was hot. It was a hot car. <laughs> uh, um, <clears throat> somewhere along the line, though, I developed a scarcity mindset towards food. And I don't know how this happened. And, and um, I, I, would, I would get stressed out. I would, when I would go to like, like a church, by the way, how many love church potlucks? Yes. We need to bring potlucks yes. back. It's very anti-COVID. Let's do it. Um, I mean, just a good casserole from an elderly woman. Yes. I mean, so much cheese, <laughs> so many calories, so good. And then we had we had we had Viet- a Vietnamese family with a Vietnamese restaurant, and so spring rolls and pancit and and Filipino food, and oh, I love potluck so much. Um, <laughs> but I'd find myself going into environments like this and being stressed, <laughs> and going, I, I I don't like like a FOMO. Like a fear of missing out on one of the dishes. I'm not kidding. I'm not even joking. This is real. Stop laughing. <laughs> and and so, and even with my kids, like today, so I find myself going in, and and when we first got married, Heather's like, "Why do you do that?" And I was like, "Why do I do what?" She says, "Why do you do that?" She points down, and I kid you not, she could tell the story. I always ate like this. Like a dog protecting my plate, my bowl. <laughs> and there was this like, it was like this, it was like this protective thing. Yeah. And um, and so like even even now, you know, with I have two two kids that that both outweigh me and are taller than me, and so so food goes really fast at our house. So Heather will make a big pot of something. And these days it's like. You just get as much chicken you can into an Instapot and make a huge thing of rice, right? And this is rice and chicken, rice and chicken, rice and chicken. And I find, I find myself, I would find myself having first and then, and then going back and almost like scared to look in the pot, like going, like, and I was like, you guys ate it all? You know, and I don't need to be bulking for any sport right now. It's <laughs> not, not the phase I'm in. You know, coach wants Ash, you know, college wants Ashton to put on 30 pounds of muscle. So he's got to be eating a lot right now. And I have no reason to do that. <laughs> so I was trying to identify why would I get stressed out? Why would I in these, in these food environments? And, um, and, then I, and then I started thinking, I was reading John chapter 6 where Jesus feeds the 5,000, and it's a, it's a phenomenal passage of scripture. 
But then I thought, started thinking of scarcity and the sense of there's not enough for me. A sense of there's not enough for me. There's not enough for me. And, and in the food sense, I, I, I understand that. But there's a, there's a, a sense of, of, okay, okay, relax. You're going to get, there's, there's never been a time when I've been worried about a next meal. Right? And now there are people, some of the people that we're delivering food t- today to have those thoughts. But I didn't. Like, there was no history or track record in my life. In fact, my friends would come home with me after school, and they would just freak out. They would go in our pantry, they would go into our fridge, and they would just freak out. They're like, there is so much food here. And they would just eat and eat and eat, and everyone loved it. So I I had no history of this, but yet it tried to creep into my life as maybe a way of coping. I don't, I don't know. I haven't dove that far into it yet. I'm sure uh, Jenny and I will process this later. Um, <laughs> Debbie involved. <laughs> Sozo team. Um, and, and so I just was like, God, where are areas in my life where there has been no track record whatsoever of unfaithfulness, yet I have a, there is a scarcity mentality that somehow I have to get it now and get it right now, and I have to, and I have to be a little bit on edge about what I get and what I can gather. And, and, and there's not enough left over for me. Or God, you're not going to come through this time. God, you've come through 100% of the time before, but somehow this time you're not going to come through. Somehow this time is, is where you're like, I've had enough of your unfaithfulness and I'm breaking my covenant with Jesus, which we're the beneficiary of, by the way. God's, the new covenant is God's covenant with Jesus and we reap the benefits because we're in Christ. So Jesus says, after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, John chapter 6, verse 1. Now, you have to remember here that Jesus has just gotten word that his cousin has been beheaded. And he's, he's, he's actually, he was actually trying to get away. He was trying to get away by himself to pray because this news had hit him hard that hit the beloved John the Baptist, the, the, the one who baptized him, the one, I mean, they, they, they essentially knew each other in the womb as Elizabeth came to Mary and there was a, a, there was a, a, a jump for joy in the womb. And so his cousin has just been beheaded, just been murdered really over a, a lustful act because, because he had allowed lust to come in over essentially a, a, a dancer. He had said, I'll give you, he made a foolish vow, I'll give you whatever you want. And so she went and asked her mom, this is so Jezebel, went and asked her mom, what, 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 what should I ask for? And she said, ask for the head of John the Baptist. So John the, head, John the Baptist's head was brought out on a platter disciples went and they buried him and and so Jesus has just heard this but he tries to get away and the crowds follow him and the Bible says he has compassion on them 
He had compassion on them. And so, he just says, uh, then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. Verse 5, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him, coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Different, this, this is one of the only miracles that's recorded in all four Gospels. And there's a little bit of a different account. And I believe it's because Jesus said different things to different people. To Philip, he said, hey, where are we going to get all the... We're we going to get all the food to do this. And another disciple came to Jesus and said, Jesus, should we send him away back to the city? And Jesus said, no, you feed him. So he was having these, these conversations with the different disciples, the different writers. And so in John, this is, what, this is what he says to John. He says, kind of rhetorically, he says, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. <clears throat> Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Isn't it funny how we go right to the natural? They, they have literally, <laughs> they've literally been seeing Jesus do the craziest things you've ever seen. Jesus, the provision of healing, the, every, every ounce of provision has been given as everywhere that Jesus was going. And all of a sudden they're like, well, we don't have a, okay, if we worked for months, we wouldn't even have enough money. They, they went to a natural place of trying to solve this problem. Went to a natural place. When you feel scarcity, what is your first inclination? What is your first reaction? To hoard. To keep. Or, or to try to figure out in and of yourself how you're going to solve it. I, I listen. I remember. I remember the day in our Sage Terrace house after we had been fired. Couldn't find a job. Maybe had just started my business. No money. And we're doing the math. And my father-in-law helped me do the math. And he actually did some real math, where I was trying to like. I was trying to make it work. Oh, these numbers could work. And my father-in-law did the math. And he's like, "Here's the math. It doesn't work. It doesn't work." And so we're like, we felt like we were supposed to sell the house. But I remember in that, in, that, in that season and in that time, I remember the kids were, were in there, were watching a movie, and I was trying to figure out in the natural realm how to solve this problem. I, I, I'm, I'm, I kid you not, I was, I was Heather, can, Heather can attest to this, I was doing some of the dumbest things you could imagine. I was, all these like ideas for inventions, I was like, and then I could do this, then I could invent this, and then what if there was a really comfy guitar strap that, I mean, I was going like, like every, trying to solve every problem that I've ever had. Like there's tons of, and I remember I was telling, I was, I was really good friends at the time um, with, with Jason's um, younger brother, Matt, who was, who was living here. And, and I went to Alaska and I saw this, I, I'm just telling on myself this morning, here we go. And, and, and I, I saw this laser cutting machine and I saw this really cool little, like how they cut these, these pieces and then you can make these 3D jigsaw puzzles. Have you seen that? It's really cool. And I was like, I was like, oh, I could start a business doing that. There's tons of money in laser cut little metal bears, <laughs> tons of money. And I remember I told Matt, and so Matt held that over my head for probably years later. He's like, well, how about you metal bears? And I was like, shut up, dude. <laughs> there had to be a creative, I had to go through a process. But like I was trying in my own self, I was hunkering down in my flesh and like the best of Ben was not going to get us out of the situation. It was not going to get us out. And I remember I, we, had a, we had a jar and I think it was for Disneyland. Yeah. 
It was for Disneyland. And I was like, we got no other money. And I poured it out and we had $43 to our name. Which does not get you far in Disneyland, Bob. It does not. Can't even get in. So, so, you know, our, let, let that be like a, like a gauge in our spirit when we're faced with scarcity, when we're faced with, with a situation like this, is like, what do we go to first? And if it's, how can I get myself out of this? I, I believe it's time that we turn to Jesus and say like, Jesus, here's what I have, but I'm offering it to you. What can you do with what I have? What can you do with the little that I have? And let's keep reading. Does this make sense? Okay. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? What good is that? What good is that? What good is this little thing that I have? What good is this little faith that I have? What good is this little step of obedience that I have? Well, it's really good. Verse 10, tell everyone to sit down. Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus said, so they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. So we can, conjecture says we can say probably safely 10,000 people. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. I want you to catch this, friends. And they all ate as much as they wanted. <laughs> I had never caught that before. I read this, and I, I think I, I even put a little mind-blown emoji. I like I, I drew it because they had all. They said they ate as much as they wanted. So whatever they had desire for or hunger for, they got to eat, and it kept multiplying. It kept multiplying. It kept multiplying. It kept multiplying. What, what a God we serve. What, there was actually leftovers. Listen, there were leftovers. In the old covenant, they could not keep leftovers. In the new covenant, there's 12 baskets of leftovers. Listen, I, I, I always thought this was for the 12, it represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And then it was like, no, wait a second. This is so every stinking disciple got a doggy bag on the way out. All 12 of them got leftovers and had food enough for the next day. In the new covenant, if they tried to keep leftovers, what happened? It rotted. It rotted. They, they got nasty. In the new covenant, Jesus said, Jesus says, Eat as much as you want. Eat till you are full, baby. Eat till you're full. And there's leftovers. This isn't a message about overeating. Hear me. When you get full, stop. Make sure you're probably a little late if you're full. After everyone was full, I love that. After everyone was full, this is so the heart of God, friends. After everyone was full. Can I just tell you this? That in, in the kingdom of God, um, there's no such thing as zero-sum accounting. In zero-sum accounting, if we were to bring a pizza out here today, and we were to say there are 12 slices of pizza, Bob and Jenny, would you like a slice of pizza? Yes, Bob probably would if it was gluten-free crust. Heather and Jenny would have some. Yes, yes. Or if it was cauliflower crust. 
That's what that's what we do in Portland. We we take cauliflower and we. So we. <laughs> they don't do that in Tennessee. Um, they do uh, meat crust. They do a, a bacon crust. Yes, and it's delicious. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pizza. <laughs> Bacon pizza. Um, I haven't eaten breakfast today. Um, and you take two slices away. Now there's only 10 slices left. So now only 10 more people get to eat. And then it's gone. And then the pizza's gone. And then there's, there's no more. There's no more. People treat the kingdom of God like zero-sum accounting and like it's pieces of pizza. Well, they get to speak, and that person gets to speak, and they get to lead worship, and well, guess there's nothing for me. And that person gets to do this, and that person gets to do this. Oh, they have a sexual integrity ministry? Well, me and my, my spouse wanted to start something for couples, but I guess we can't because Ben and Heather have their, their ministry to couples. Listen, 2.28 million people in the Portland metro, and we're worried about what other people are doing. Come on, Ben. 2.28 million people in the metro area. I would say, what, 80% that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Do the math on that. I can't do it in my head that fast. But I'm telling you, that's, we, have, we have so much opportunity. We have, there is so much provision that God has for each of us. I'm just telling you, I, I've been telling Ashton since he was little, I said, Ashton, stay the course. Stay the course when it comes to sports. Stay the course. Because I know you're going to go through awkward phases, son. I know you're going to go through the phase, well, I didn't know he was going to go through a phase where he grew up to 6'7", but he, we're a phase, and he grew to 6'7", and his ligaments and his muscles and, and everything were not talking to each other properly, and he looked like a baby giraffe on the but I tell you what, as his dad, I saw, I saw that, I saw what it was going to be. I saw the times in the gym when it was just him and dad, and there was like no, no other reason for, for monkey games in his head. Well, there was no other reason. And I saw what he could do. And I just kept saying, Ashton, stay the course. The cream always rises to the top. You're going to rise to the top. You're going to rise to the top. You're going to rise to the top. And I just, I just had this feeling that some of us, we actually need to stick with what God's placed in our hearts. Stick with it. And have no... Have, have no mindset of scarcity. And if I stick with this, will I have an outlet for this? God would have not placed it in your heart if there wasn't an outlet. He would have not placed it inside of you. And let me just tell you this, that it's not all, I don't know why I'm yelling. I don't usually yell. But here's, <laughs> Jenny, I'm not yelling at you. <laughs> Sometimes we, we say crowds like our, our greatness, like the, the, the platform things, the, the international ministry, the speaking, the, 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 the big things, the worldwide. The, listen, some of the greatest, some of the greatest ministries are done. Like think about Mo, Moses' mom. Her assignment was to raise kids. What did she do? She protected Moses. She put him in a basket. She sent him down the river. Then she came and Pharaoh's daughter picked him up. And Pharaoh's daughter was like, I have no milk right now. But, but there's, some other, there's a bunch of other mamas that have their, their milk in because their babies were just killed. 
And she said, I, I, I'll, I'll, feed, I'll feed the baby. I'll feed the baby. And her assignment was to be a mom. And guess who she mothered? She mothered Moses, the deliverer. She mothered Aaron, the brother of Moses, who was the, became the high priest of all of Israel. And she, she mothered Miriam, who, be, who actually sang the first ever worship song. Pretty big assignment. Pretty big assignment. No stage, no platform, no international ministries based in Colorado Springs. No. <laughs> Why are they all in Colorado Springs? It's amazing. You know, no, no radio, afternoon radio program. But still what was in her heart was big. It was big, it was big, it was big. It was to, de it was to deliver a deliverer. <laughs> the high priest, the first worship leader, good Lord. Stick with it, stick with it. Stick with what God's placed in your heart. God will make a way. I, like I always, tell, I always tell Ashton, just keep doing what you're doing and you're gonna find a spot. There will always be a spot for you. There will always be a place for you. You put your head down, you work, you have a good attitude, you look a coach in the eye. Like you, you just keep doing the things you know to do. There will always be a space and place open to you. Always. God, God does not put those things inside of us just so that they can die. I was watching... Um, I was watching Paul yesterday. Paul and Christine hosted an event down in Camby and just in their lane. Paul just in his lane. Just in his lane. And I watch Janet. I don't think, I think Janet comes second service. I watch Janet just in her lane, just doing what God called her to do. And, and you know what's crazy is that probably six months ago, Paul, you didn't know what this looked like. But he just kept at it. He just kept being faithful. He just kept being faithful. He just kept showing up, kept showing up. And then all of a sudden, he's hosting this, I mean, this gathering of pastors and leaders from around the state that are fighting critical race theory, that are fighting um, this, what's, the, what's this? The, by the way, they passed around the book yesterday that's, that the third graders are reading in our school system. It's straight up pornography, y'all. Straight up pornography. Third graders. In fact, the, the woman that was the woman that was presenting said, "If you had a former, uh, if you're in recovery right now from a porn addiction, she says, I, I don't. I, I would suggest that you not actually look at this book because because it will trigger. It could trigger you, um, you know, and because that's a real addiction, and we, you know, and and so that's that's how. And, but I, but all that to say is like this like this FOMO and this scarcity of all, like I have this in me, but I, there's, no, there's no outlet, there's no outlet. What do I do, what do I do, what do I do? And you just keep giving it to God, giving it to God. And so Paul starts going to these rallies and they're like, hey, you pray here, you pray. And so Paul, Paul's just praying at these rallies and, and him and Christine like have a prayer meeting or not a prayer meeting, but they call everyone forward that's been fired because of, because of vaccine mandates. And they're like, they're like praying for people. And then I watched him yesterday, like his influence, he gathers all these people getting in people in one place. I just thought that, God, you're so good. If, and if, there, if there was ever like a thought of scarcity 
God just like blew that out of the water. He took what you had and he multiplied and he's going to multiply it even more. And you guys know that. But he's going to take what you have and you know what you're going to you're going to do to your heart's content till you're full. I tell you, isn't it cool to walk away and actually uh, here's what I would say to that. Take note of when you feel really full. Take note of when you feel really full spiritually. Take note of when you're like, this is one of the reasons I was put on planet Earth to do this. Heather and I were ministering the other day at Drenched, and it was just the two of us. And we just, we just had, we had an hour just to talk about stuff. And, and, and uh, we did three hours of those. We did three sections. So three hours of just her and I talking and back and forth. And, and, and at the end of it, I was like, I'm ready to go three more hours. Like, I'm, I'm not drained at all. Like, I'm ready to go. Because we want to help people overcome in the area of sexual identity. Like, that's part of our anointing. And so we, we actually felt full. We felt like we're full. This is why God places us on planet Earth. So, so when, you, when you have those moments, take note of those moments. So, so they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Five, five, five. I want to I want to just speak to the person that's that you feel you feel like your strong desire for for teaching the word of God and you're you're convincing yourself that you have to go to Bible college. You're convincing yourself that you have to that w- when I do this and when I do that and when I read this book and when I read that book, listen, start with where you're at. Start with where you're at. Start with what God's given you. Start with the little that he's given you. Start with the, 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 the little, the, the, the loaves, the fish. Start with that. Start a, start a Bible study with some friends. Seriously. Give, give to Jesus what's in your hand right now. Give to him what's in your hand right now and allow him to grow that gift. Allow him to breathe on it. He takes it and he breaks 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 it. Do you, do you, do you remember what else was broken? His body. His body was broken for us. I love that. He's the bread of life. He never runs out. There's always more than enough. We can eat till we're full in Jesus. Amen? So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps. Uh, When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, okay, the people messed up again. They said they they wanted a political ruler. They said he slipped away into the hills by himself. Um, If you turn over to turn over to uh, John chapter six, well, you're already in John chapter six. Um, Verse. Let's go to verse twenty-eight. We're gonna we're just gonna read more of this passage. Are you with me? Okay. So they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he sent. I love that. I love that they said, okay, they had their pen, their pen and paper out and they were like, hey, Jesus, we want to do what you're doing too. Give us the list. And he said, no, no, no. The work, the only work, singular, is believe in the one that he has sent. And so when we run into those times of scarcity, we have to believe in the one that he sent. 
believe in the one that he sent. That's why some of you are like, why do we like sing the verse and chorus of some of these songs so many times? I know when, when you come from like a Presbyterian church or a liturgical church and you come into a, a, you know, a charismatic church like this, you're like, we really like to repeat verses. We really like to repeat courses and stuff. You know what it, part of it is? Is it's we are rehearsing the goodness of God. We are rehearsing over and over. We're muttering. We're meditating on the goodness of God over and over and over and over again. So that when we come into these places where we start to feel scarcity, we can say, no, no, no. No, no, he is enough. My work is to believe. My work is not to try to figure it out. My work is not to dump out the $43 of coins and figure out how I, how I can do this. No, my work is to believe in the one he sent. And it was in that time where I had a prophetic word from my small group leader. Some of you heard the story, some of you haven't. We were, my small group leader at the time, at this church we were going to, I was so thankful for, for, for somebody for relationship inside of a church. It was the first time that we had ever been to a church and not been like on staff or like the pastor's kids. So we, we, were, we would like walk in and like be like, hey, you guys, anybody? <laughs> we stand there and you know, we're getting coffee and we're like, hey, we've got three small kids. We're the demographic you're looking for. We love to tithe. Hey, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm like, I'll start serving tomorrow. Hi, got three kids. We're, we're literally the demographic that you're praying for. Um, and, and thank God we got into house church. Plug for house church. Plug for house church. We got into relationship. Our small group leader just told his story the first, the first uh, time we were there. And we're like, oh, we're in the right place. It was transparent. It was transparent. It was beautiful. And... Um, uh, so he, he, had a, he had a word for me one morning. He said, hey, Ben, you're supposed to read 2 Kings chapter 4 um, about, about the widow. And so, so I was like, okay. So I, I read it. And Elisha asked the woman, he said, um, he said what can I do for you? And basically, she's, she's run out of options in life. There's scarcity. And he said, what, what can I do for you? Uh, and then he says, before she can answer, he says, what's in your house? And she says, nothing. Again, a natural answer. The first natural answer. She says, nothing. I have nothing in my house. Except for a jar of oil. And he said, so this, this is a similar principle to the, to the fish and the loaves. What's presented to Jesus, he can do exceedingly abundantly above, beyond what we can ask or think with it. So I got nothing. And he says, well... Let's take that jar. He says, have your sons go find every empty pot they can, every empty barrel, every empty jar. So the sons went out and did it. And they took that jar and they poured it. And as long as there was a container underneath it to receive, the oil kept flowing. You talk about provision. You talk about more than enough. A God of more than enough. A God that's, that's not about scarcity. Every, every container, and, and I, the, the boys were hustling. They're, they're going, they're knocking on their neighbor's door. Do you have any Tupperware? Do you have any mixing bowls? They were grabbing everything they could because they knew that once the containers were gone, that the oil was not flowing. And sure enough, they were like, mom, we've tapped out the neighborhood. There's no more containers. And the oil stopped. And the woman took the oil and she sold it. She was able to pay all of her debtors. 
There's no way she could have come up with that in the natural. <laughs> well, what if I took this oil and started pour- like, no, it had, it's because G- Jesus got in the mix. Jesus got in the mix. Jesus got in the mix. So I, I read this story and I was like, man, that's a great story. What is it? Uh, you know, how does this apply to me? So God, what's in my house? What's in my house? What's in my house? And I remember I, I just thought it just hit me. I was like, I have really nice camera equipment. I've always, I've been that person that documents my family and my friends' kids. I'm that guy. And I love it. I used to make youth group videos. I even taught a class one time on how to shoot and edit videos to other youth pastors. Just because I knew just that much more. And so and so I said, said Lord, what, what's, what, what is it? And he, he said, he says, it's that. So we took it. A lot of you heard the story, but I, I want to tell this. So I said, Heather, I said, Heather, go get dressed. Oh, she, she was wearing clothes. Like, go get dressed up. <laughs> we couldn't afford clothes at this time. Um, <laughs> so Heather, go put some clothes on. It's the middle of the afternoon. Um, <laughs> so go get dressed up and get the, get the kids dressed up, get the kids ready. So I got the camera and I, I've, I've just, I had this idea and, and, I, and I said, I said let's, let's film a video, a testimonial video for what a good job that our realtor did and just see if, so I, I filmed this. I, I, I need to play it one of these times. It's so cute. It's so cute. Macy's in the kitchen with her little apron. She's cutting like a zucchini. It's just the cutest. Maybe you're cutting the zucchini or something. Someone's cutting zucchini. Um, and uh, and and we sent sent it out. And there's another. The guy had another feeling. I think you're supposed to send it to this guy, former colleague of mine. So send it to him. He takes the video. He brings it in with me into a boardroom with all these salespeople and said, hey, sales team, let's all sell this guy and let's not take any of the profit. Let's just use him as a value add. Okay, that's like oil into pots, into pots. You know what's crazy? Is there, there are times when I still run into situations and I'm like, scarcity, how are we gonna make it? How are we gonna, Heather, let's start selling all of our stuff on Facebook Marketplace. Cause then that's, that's a really great way to make money. Random people coming to your house five in $5 increments. It's a get-rich-slow scheme. <laughs> Isn't that funny, though, how we go there? And Jesus is like, come to me. Come to me. Give me what you have. Give me what's in your hand and I'll take it and I'll multiply it. It's what he did with his own body. It's what he did, he he offered his body, the bread of life on the cross and it was mutilated and it was broken. And now we have free and full access and we can eat until we're full. And there's leftovers and there's more and there's more and there's more and there's more and it's actually never ending, it's eternal. It's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Can we stand this morning? Jesus' body was broken and given to all. 
The bread was broken and given to all, and it was more than enough. His body was broken and given to all, and it's more than enough. I promise you, church, there is space, there is room, there is provision, and it might not be what you think, but it's his way, and it's better. It's better than metal bears. It's better than comfortable guitar strap business. It's better than delivering for Domino's Pizza. And Rachel said, Amen. If there's, if there's a fear of missing out, FOMO of that you're, there's like a fear of like you're, you're, you're gonna miss it. We just take authority over that in Jesus' name. This fear of you're gonna miss it. The Bible says that one of the, the operations of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate Jesus. Jesus said that he's the good shepherd and his sheep hear his voice. So you start declaring over yourself that, you're, that you hear the voice of the shepherd, that you know the voice of God. You're not gonna miss it. You're not gonna miss out. I thought I missed out on being a church planner. I thought I missed out. I thought I blew it. I thought, man, I I blew that opportunity. And God had a better way. So God, here's my life, take my life. I I surrender my life and God took our life and he multiplied it. And he he placed our feet on solid ground. And and now we stand with undeserved favor in this place of, of God's grace going, God, I don't even know how you got us here, but you did through your goodness. So Father, we just take right now, we take authority over every um, mentality of scarcity. God, any, any mentality that says, well, it's probably already taken up. All the positions, all the places, all the ministry, all the, it's already taken, it's already... Father, we just thank you that you make a way where there seems to be no way. God, you take the little that we have that's offered to you in faith, believing in you. You take that, Lord, and you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask, imagine, or think. I take authority, we just take authority over any uh, fear of missing out. Missing out on the call of God for our life any fear of missing out on on relationships. And actually, that actually causes us to go to a place of stress and try to figure things out in the natural, which just gets us in a cycle of going round and round the same mountain. We just, we, we actually give up control today. We hand over the steering wheel of life today. So Jesus, take the wheel. We trust you today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, would you just think of an area right now where you need God's provision? We just think of an area right now. It could be in relationships. It could be in in finances. I want you just right now, just Heather does this activation that I love. It's so good. She like, she takes, so take that thing, whatever that anxiety is, whatever that feeling maybe of scarcity is, I want you just to place it in a box. I want you to take that box 
whatever that thing is. I want you to take it, place it in the box. See yourself with this box. Now you're going to see Jesus. In, in the activation, Heather always has to see Jesus and he's on the cross. He's paying, he's paying for everything, our salvation, our sozo, nothing missing, nothing missing, nothing broken. Total salvation, body, finances, relationships, heal, whole. Seeing, seeing whatever that thing is in that box and we're taking it to the feet of Jesus and we're placing it at the feet of Jesus and we're, we're saying, Jesus, you've got this. I don't have to carry this any longer. Just turn and walk away. We thank you, Jesus. So I want to share this testimony really fast. I just heard this yesterday. And I'm just thinking, okay, this is amazing because you've not heard this yet. In fact, I don't know if anybody has. So... A friend of ours, we were together this week doing uh, planning for her voice, and I was with her during the week, and um, she doesn't live here, she lives in another state. So I'm taking her to the airport yesterday, and she goes, oh, I don't think I've told you the story yet. But back up, her and her husband have really partnered with the grace to ask God to be a ridiculous provider. And she has incredible testimonies of like, God, we don't have anything left, but you want us to pour out oil here and just amazing stories. Just, I mean, they, they need to write a book. It's just crazy stories. And then they went through this massive financial crash in the last couple years. And so here they are again, just like believing God for the ridiculous, you know, the hilarious giving, the hilarious outpouring. So in the car yesterday she goes oh, I need to tell you this she said she was at a garage sale and she sees this painting that's one dollar and it's not a painting she put on her you know it's not something that she'd actually put up she didn't even necessarily love the painting it wasn't her style but it, ca it captured her so she decided to buy it it's a dollar she goes home puts it in her closet and just kind of forgets about it but then it comes to her memory and she's like, wait a minute, that painting, let me look this up. So she calls an art gallery in her city and says, this is the name of the artist. Does this mean anything? And the gallery said, um, it's probably not an original. And she said, okay, she just kind of, all right, it's nothing. She put it back in the closet. A year and a half goes by and she can't drop it. And she's like, I gotta do some research here. So she gets online, she starts looking up the artist and just kind of, and, and it traces to his family being a part of the city that she lives in. And she's like, this, this, there's something going on here. So she traces the story that she's researching online to the state of Maine, which is super random. At least it's random for me and it's random for her. <laughs> like no understanding of Maine. So she calls an art gallery in Maine just hoping that maybe they know something. And the woman says, you know, it, it could be an original. She goes, send me a picture. So she sends a picture, the woman texts her back and says, I, I can't say for sure, but I am 99.9% .9 this is an original. She goes, I'd have to see it, I'd have to feel it. And so my friend was like, so what do you think it's worth? 
she goes, well, I have to look at it and I have to, you know, and she goes, probably six, seven, $8,000. And so she said, put it in the mail and I'll, I'll check it out for you. But she was too nervous to put it in the mail. So she said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, I'll, we'll make a road trip up there sometime. That's a long drive. She's a part of a ministry that they just told her, hey, listen, we need to send you up to such and such town in Maine. And she's like, that's interesting. <laughs> so she looks it up. It's 30 minutes from this art gallery. And I told her, I said, I cannot wait to hear the end of this story. But we had just been talking on this trip and praying about getting out of underneath this equation of I'm going to trade dollar for hours or I'm going to figure out a way that I'm going yeah. to make money just yeah. like you just preached the message. Yes. But talking about um, coming under a grace and that's what she was talking about. She was talking about it's a grace. It's a grace. If my kids had to earn everything that I gave them, they'd be homeless. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Preach that. It don't work out like that. Preach they're that. mine because they're mine. I provide yes. more than enough, more than they can earn, more than they can work for. And so it's a grace. And we have to come out and detach ourselves from the world's view of what provision is. And we were talking on the airplane about, I mean, sorry to throw Steve Jobs under the table here, but like he's really proud of the fact that he's not going to give any inheritance to his daughter. That is not kingdom. The word of God says that that he leaves an inheritance for his children, that fathers leave an inheritance for their children. Yeah. And I was thinking about this, Pastor Ben, when you were talking with the oil and then the empty vats, all of a sudden, I've never seen this before, but I saw us taking our prophetic words and putting them under the little that we had. Because my prophetic words, buildings, I mean, things that are like, that's, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Wow, that's a huge amount, way more than we have but taking your prophetic words and putting them underneath what you do have and letting what you do have pour out and provide that, but also your children, your legacy. Take your children and tuck them under the grace. Put them under the grace and say, God, would you leave an inheritance for my children yeah. and my children's children? And I just believe that, that God is trying to teach this church something new. He's trying to teach us something new. And it's not about mammon. Mammon is this allegiance to money and material wealth yeah. that will never satisfy. But this is about a grace. It's about a provision from a good God who has good things to do on the earth, that he wants us to be the funnel. He wants us to finance and funnel some things on yeah. the earth. And so these are things that I believe that God's going to scoot us up in prayer. And, and we're going to talk to God about these things. And we're going to have to break paradigms. We're going to have to break old things that the world teaches and scoot underneath the word of God and let his grace yeah. come upon us. So do you want me to pray? Do you have something? Well, I just thought it's going to be a lot of car washes and bake sales at Crestview. <laughs> to do some of the big things. Or not. <laughs> or not. That was a joke. But you know what? Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. You know, I was thinking about this. Um, the very I, I don't know why, but sitting here, I thought about the very first Bible study I ever held. I never. I didn't just start preaching. I didn't just start writing books. I didn't just put a conference on. Yeah. My first Bible study, Maple Crest Neighborhood, Vancouver, Washington. I was scared out of my mind. And I think I had four girls coming over, and I was like, oh, gosh, I'm going to throw up. They're coming over. They're going to be like looking at me and I'm going to have to do something amazing. And I remember going, God, please show up. God, yeah. please show up. I remember there was enough of us to sit on my bed. We sat on my bed in my room and just prayed and talked about the things of God. And now somehow we're planning an event that's going to be 2,000 women in July. 
somehow. In a million. So some of you that see, yes, and it's going to end up being a million. We're going to be on the lawn at um, at Washington D.C. somehow. But but you yeah. know what? I didn't have much. No one handed me a microphone. Nobody said, Jenny, I have a feeling she can preach. You know, I had to start somewhere and I had to start with my little living room and four girls that somehow decided that it was worth their time to come over and talk about the things of God. I didn't have a good message for them, but I had the word of God and I had a heart to connect with them on a deeper level than just, you know, high-fiving in the hallway at church. So whatever God has put in your heart, we start with what we have. We start with that little vat of oil. And that is what God, and he builds that in us. He builds that in us. Amen? Should I pray? Yeah, yeah no, I just, if, if there's anything in your heart that's just like, well, Jenny occupies that space of, of, of world, of, of woman leader in our church or Heather occupies or Tiffany or, or Sarah or, and, and you start, and, and, and it causes you to shrink back. That is the plan of the enemy. That we cannot have, there, there cannot be too many strong women leaders. Right. There cannot be too many uh, godly anointed communicators of the gospel. Like, the, like we have right. to, just because this this piece of pizza here right. is, out of the, is out of the box, you look in the box in God's economy and it's, it's still full. Multiplying. It's still full. There's still 12 pieces in. That's right. And the next piece goes out and you look again and there's still 12 pieces. So I just want to come against any yeah. mentality that's just like, that causes us to disqualify ourselves because it's like, well, that person's occupying that space. No, they're, they're actually just taking their space. And now it's time for us all to take our space, whatever right. that looks like. That's right. In Jesus' name. And, yeah. and we don't have to shy away from being big. That's right. And I'm not t- talking about being big to, to be big, but when I say be big, is be everything God's called you to be. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's what I have to say. Well, I think um, one of the things that help, can help us is if we see that our part isn't to take something out of the provision, our part to, is to deposit. And we're actually making a deposit into. So when I wrote my very first book that got published, I had some self-published, but my very first book that got traditionally published, I, before I wrote it, I was wrestling like, God, why does it matter? Why does it matter that I write this? And uh, there, there had been like four or five books released mm-hmm. on that very same subject. And I thought, okay, good, they did it. They did it, good, now I don't yeah. have to. Awesome, I could do other things with my time than you know, lament over pages and typing and all those things. And it was, you know, my message is on rest. And I said, that's, you know, and God said, okay, so you think four books is enough on rest? That's it. And I was like, I don't know, that seems like plenty to me. Like read one of them, you know? And um, he knows my language because what he said was, well, do you think that there should only be one, you know, a couple books written on the Holy Spirit? And I was like, there can't be enough books written on the Holy Spirit. And he said, there's not enough books written about me and my word and everything that matters to me. There's not enough movies, books, Bible studies, preaching, coffee shop, songs, like all of it. There's not enough until the world knows the goodness of God. We make deposits. Yeah, That's what we do. We make deposits. And so when I figured out that I wasn't taking anything away from anybody, I was actually making a deposit. And when you go to the other side, when we cross over to eternity, which is going to be amazing, 
We want to go knowing we deposited it. We laid it all on the field and it wasn't ours anyway, but it was ours to release and give to over to the earth. So Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, that you're a good God. We thank you that you have called every single one of us to make a deposit, yes. to make an impact, to pour something out. We are your oil. We are your jar of oil. And so we're going to pour out the little we have. We're going to pour out the little we have. God, and you're going to multiply it on the earth. You're going to multiply finances. You're going to multiply the word of God out of us. You're going to multiply the song lyrics out of us, God. You're going to multiply the Bible studies. You're going to multiply the conversations in coffee shops that break chains off the person that's sitting across from us, God. Schools. You are going to multiply, yes, in schools, God. There's going to be more schools that puts that put Jesus at the center, yes. that put Jesus at the helm. So we thank you, Father, that you're multiplying. Yes. You're multiplying on the earth because we're pouring out. We're not taking, we're pouring out. We're pouring out. We're pouring out. And you got to receive in order to have something to pour. So Father, we need your help. We need your help. God, help us to be radical receivers, radical givers, hilarious receivers, hilarious givers. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said. Thanks for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To find out more, visit thecollectivechurch.com.